I'm excited that we are talking about hospitality during the season of Advent in a sermon series entitled Welcoming Jesus. Pastor John and I have actually been wanting to talk about this for some time and thought that what a great opportunity to talk about hospitality during a time of year where so many of us have an opportunity to practice it. Hospitality for the ancient church was a spiritual practice. Torah and scripture commanded that the people of faith would practice hospitality. It was an outworking, an expression of your faith in God. There's actually a rich history, a rich tradition of God's people practicing hospitality throughout the ages, throughout the generations, but it seems today it's a little bit of a lost art. No art, you're not lost. (laughs) A number of uh, years ago, A young married couple went to stay in a small town in California. They rented a room at a bed and breakfast that was run by this sweet elderly woman. The young couple spent a few days in this small town, going on adventures, exploring, taking pictures. They had a great trip. But once they returned home, they had their pictures developed. Now for you younger people, (laughs) developing pictures is something that we had to do before these fancy computer phones came out. (laughs) So they had their pictures developed and they discovered a picture of them at the bed and breakfast, sleeping in their bed in their room. They did not take this picture. (laughs) They came to find out that that sweet elderly woman had snuck into their room in the middle of the night, picked up their camera, took a picture of them sleeping in their own bed, and then snuck out of the room. You can look at this two ways. First way, this elderly woman, well, she thought they were a cute couple, and maybe, like, we all like to have pictures of ourselves sleeping, and she didn't want to wake them up, so she thought, I would just take a little, this is something for them to remember, the bed and breakfast. Or, you can look at it the more logical way and call it what it is, the creepiest thing you've ever heard in your life. This is why my wife and I avoid traveling. We don't want things like this to happen to us. The point, friends, is there is such a thing as good, welcoming, warm hospitality. And there is such a thing as bad, creepy hospitality. And today, there is such a thing as non-existent 
hospitality. And friends, I stand up here this morning before you all saying that I am not very good at this. There are so many people in this church who are very, very good at this. And yet, the truth is, being a people of hospitality is something that we are all called to do, not just some of us. And I believe that if we practice biblical hospitality in our church and in our homes on a regular basis, then friends, we would be able to see God do miraculous things as we welcome and care for people. Abraham is looked to by both Jews and Christians as the prototypical example of a good host. In the ancient Jewish tradition, being a good host was a sign of righteousness. Torah commanded that Israel practice hospitality towards travelers, strangers, foreigners, Hospitality wasn't just a practical societal substitute for a pre-hotel era. Hospitality was an expression of love. It was an act of faith. So our story this morning begins with Abraham sitting at the entrance of his tent during the heat of the day. He's finished his morning work. He's ready to take his afternoon siesta. He looks up and he sees three men standing near him. Where did they come from? Did they just appear? Abraham runs to meet them. He runs to meet them. And then he bows all the way to the ground. And he humbly pleads with them to stay. He says, let me have water be brought so that you can wash your feet. Please rest under this tree. Remember, this is before living rooms and air conditioning. So under the tree is where you would rest at the heat of the day. And let me bring you bread. And after you rest, after you take your break, then you can keep going on your way. The strangers agree. Abraham hurries and he tells his wife Sarah to get the best flour. This is the kind of flour that you would offer in the temple as worship. And he says, make cakes. So I did a little research. Sadly, it's not the kind of cakes we tend to think about. The kind of cakes I tend to think about frosting and ice cream and such. No, this was more of a flat bread, but delicious, the best bread. He chooses a tender calf from the herd, gives it to his servant to prepare. So altogether, Abraham is laying before these strangers curds, which are delicious, milk, the best bread, the best non you could imagine, and veal. 
delicious baby cow. (laughs) Abraham has proven to be an excellent host, and up to this point, he still probably doesn't even know the identity of his visitors. The reader knows. Verse 1 tells us that it is the Lord, Yahweh, who has come to visit. But in verse 9, Abraham gets another clue into their identity when the visitors ask, where is your wife, Sarah? They know her name without ever meeting her. First, they seem to appear out of nowhere, suspicious. They know the name of your wife, who's not even present. She's in the tent. And then they reaffirm the birth promise that God has already made to Abraham in the previous chapter. In chapter 17, God tells Abraham that you will have a son in your old age. And what does Abraham do? He falls on his face and he begins laughing. And now Sarah overhears the birth prediction and she is the one laughing. And yet the Lord knows that she laughed. It's interesting, the the name Isaac that God tells Abraham to name his son, name your son Isaac, it means he laughs. So Sarah and Abraham will always remember that they laughed at the promise of God, even though that promise seemed completely impossible scientifically unexplainable. Verse 11 tells us that Sarah was after the manner of women. She's gone through menopause, as one might expect of a 90-year-old woman. And yet God says it's going to happen. Isaac will be born by this time next year. And through Isaac will come Jacob. Through Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel, then Rahab, then Ruth, then Jesse, King David, Solomon, and through King David's line, the Messiah. God says it's going to happen. Jesus comes And scripture birth announcements are always messages of hope. What God is going to do in the future. The question is, does Sarah have any hope left? Because she laughs at it. Abraham laughed at it. But when the promise is fulfilled, 
in Genesis 21, when Abraham is 100 years old and Sarah is 90 or 91, in that moment of joy, when they first hold that newborn son that God has promised, what does Sarah say? God has brought me laughter. And all who hear it will laugh with me. God proves himself to be faithful and good, and this whole story begins with and is made possible because of hospitality. Abraham, this model of righteousness who is flawed and very human, welcomes these three strangers with humility and generosity and care. Abraham and Sarah have this powerful interaction with God. They become blessed because of it, and it all begins with them showing hospitality. God wants us to make this connection, showing hospitality creates opportunities for God to work. Opportunities for ministry. Opportunities for friendship. Opportunities for healing. Relational healing. Emotional healing, spiritual healing, opportunities for joy, for laughter, transformation. Have you ever experienced this? Offering someone hospitality, it becomes a blessing to them, and then you're able to see what exactly God will do with it. Perhaps there was a hard time in your life where someone showed you hospitality and it meant a great deal to you. I went to college in Seattle, but I'm originally from Southern California, so I had to move away from mom and pop and all of my family to come up to college in Seattle. And uh, my first winter here was like hard from Southern California, you know, I've got my rainbow flip-flops and the beaches and stuff, and then it's just the sun went away for months, and it never came back. I, and I, I would start to feel homesick. I would feel sad. I didn't have a whole lot of places I could go being from California, but my roommate who lived in the area started bringing me back to his house. And his mom was a really good cook. She actually found out the dishes that my mom would make for me, and she would start making those dishes when I came to their house. They gave me a bed. They invited me to go to church with them in the morning. We prayed over meals. I felt like I was at home. I felt like my spirits were lifted, like I was a part of this family when my family was 2,000 miles away. 
Never underestimate the power of your table and the power of your friendship. They are gifts for the weary more than you know. This Advent, my prayer is that God would grow each of us to be a people of hospitality living in a time and a place that desperately needs it. We've been talking about this for years, how lonely and isolated and despairing it seems to be getting in the culture. What better way for the church to respond than being known as a place and a people who welcomes you? What could God be saying to you this Advent about making room in your life for hospitality? in your home, in this church. In the fantasy novel, The Wise Man's Fear, the main character, Kvothe, tells a parable about an old beggar. He says, one night, an old beggar was traveling along the road. It's cold. He was hungry, and he came across a group of merchants, and the old beggar came up to them, and they were sitting around their fire, and the beggar said, do you have any food to spare? Can I share your fire? The merchants perked up, and they started preparing things, but then they stopped and said, well, how much money do you have? The old beggar says, well, I have nothing. They said, keep walking. The old beggar keeps walking in the night and then he eventually comes across a group of soldiers sitting by their fire. And he asks them, do you have any food to spare? Can I share your fire? And the soldiers say, we have a long road ahead of us tomorrow and we need our rest. Keep walking. And eventually, the old beggar comes across a group of traveling performers, a band of misfits, Immediately, they offer him food, drink, warmth, shelter. But he he stops them and he says, well, you don't understand. I don't have any money to pay you. This group of traveling performers just say to him, the only payment we require from you is this, that you tell us your story. Tell us about your life. The old beggar's a little surprised, but he sits down and he starts telling them about his life. He stays with them in the night. After time, he starts to travel with this group over years, stays with them. They become like family. I read that in that book, and I just remember asking, what if the church could be like that? So 
powerfully welcoming and hospitable, where we ask and we listen and we genuinely care for people just as they are. Can we be like that? Peter, Paul, the New Testament, the Old Testament, the book of Hebrews, all of it implores us to be people who practice hospitality. It's a part of who we are as the church. Looking back at our scripture, after the strangers visit with Abraham, they go on to Sodom. They're shown by hospitality by Abraham, but in Sodom, they are met with hostility. The men of Sodom attempt to sexually assault these divine messengers, and Sodom and Gomorrah are eventually destroyed. But the whole story begins with Abraham, how he welcomes these strangers, and then it ends with Sodom and Gomorrah, how they reject these strangers, prompting us to ask the question, how will we welcome God? Like Abraham or like Sodom? How will we welcome God's messengers? How will we welcome God's children? Strangers. How will we welcome the least of these? As Jesus says, whenever you welcome the least of these who are my brothers, you welcome me. Let us make space in our lives for God and for all those who God sends to us. Let's pray. Oh God, we are grateful, Lord, that you have invited us to dine with you, to be your guest, to be cared for and to be loved so that you could show us how to do it in return. Teach us this season, Lord, what it means to make space to welcome you and to welcome others. Amen.